Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the uh, minister here, and we're so glad that you're here. If you're a visitor today, uh, we welcome you. We're so grateful that you tried us out. Hope you found a parking spot and found your way in uh, with ease. We've got a lot of friendly faces here, and we have a pamphlet for you uh, for visitors that's um, red. It's in the back, and it has information about our church to make sure that you get that. Katie, I'm going to go ahead and call you up because I'm going to call on you next. Katie's going to talk to us about a um, social event coming up. Uh, I told you we would have something to celebrate every week. Um, the thing we're celebrating uh, this week was uh, actually something that you see in your bulletin. It happened uh, nine days ago. We fed the Sockahatchee kids, and we fed 80 kids uh, from the leadership of uh, Cindy and her team, uh, from uh, Lee Rhodes Food, from Our Food, and um, Aldersgate, uh, and I believe one more place um, helping us out. And these are not uh, dainty light eaters. These are some heavy eaters that are super hungry. And uh, we fed them all and gave them more and made sure that they went back uh, out to serve and to work. And uh, that's just a tremendous thing. I'm so grateful uh, for Memorial's help uh, for that Salkahatchee project. Good morning. I am Katie Jeter, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. So I wanted to make sure you knew about an upcoming event that is always a fun one for our church family. On Sunday, August the 9th, we're having our annual ice cream social. But there's a change that you need to know. Instead of being here on our church grounds, we're going to be out at Lake Robinson. So I want to make sure you get to the right place at 5 o'clock on Sunday, August the 9th. We have the large shelter reserved for us, so there will be plenty of room. And you're just asked to bring your favorite homemade ice cream or a dessert to share. So I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you, Katie. Um, I want to give you a, a brief word about pastoral care, um, how I'd like to um, help with pastoral care here. You already have tremendous things in place um, to reach out uh, to all of you, your Sunday school classes, the Tuesday prayer group, the retired ministers uh, led by Reverend John Rush reaching out to you. And um, what I want to do is just um, become a part of that system. And so Beth and I are keeping a list, Beth, our secretary, and I are keeping a list of um, names that come up from a conversation I have with John or from names that you tell me or from names that you tell her. And um, it may take me a little while, but if you tell us a name that you would like us to go visit, I'm going to get out there um, eventually. Um, anyone's in the hospital, we're going to get there. Um, anyone that John talks to me about, I'm going to get there. Um, it may take, like I said, it may take a little while. And I want you to write down my cell phone number if you haven't already. I've said this a number of times, but I want to make sure um, that everyone has it. It's area code 864. Three four six <laughs> zero six three three eight six four three four six zero six three three. I want that to replace um, calling uh, the parsonage because that way I can keep track of it. it comes right to me, and you can call or um, text me anytime at that number. I want you to feel um, welcome to do so, and I'll uh, get to you. So let's uh, turn our hearts towards the Lord in worship.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to your house. Not to sleepwalk through the next 50 minutes, but to be vital worshipers with our prayers, with our songs, with our scripture, with our proclamation. Open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to your word for us this day, because we know that you have something important to tell us. Guide us, inspire us, and teach us this morning, Lord. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our first hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I invite the children to come up for the children's sermon. And as they're doing so, if you're on the edge of the pew or um, close to it, if you'll reach and get the visitor or the sign-in sheets and pass them to the outside.
Good morning. Are you having a good summer? Going to the pool, swimming, doing fun things? Well, this morning we're going to talk about what we've been talking about in church, and it's the story of Jonah. And this is how the story goes. God told Jonah to do something, and Jonah didn't want to do it. Does that ever happen to you? Somebody tells you to do something, you don't want to do it? So then what Jonah did is he ran away, because he didn't want to do it. He ran away, and he got in a boat, and a big storm came, and he fell off the boat, and a big fish swallowed him. And then Noah said, God, please help me out. I've gotten myself in trouble. Please help me out. And if you get me out, I'll do what you ask me to do. So Jonah, God helped Jonah, and Jonah got out of the big fish. Now that sounds like a good story. That's not the end of the story, but before we get to the end of the story, let me ask you, sometimes do yours, does your mom or dad ask you to do something you don't want to do? all the time, right? And do you know what? When we grow up, that happens too. People ask us to do things and we don't really want to do them. So when we don't do them, what do we do? Just go away and just don't do something. You just don't do it. And then what happens? You get in trouble. Then mom and dad say, wait a minute. You didn't do what I told you to do, so there's a punishment. You're still going to have to do it, but there's going to be a punishment. So that's kind of what happened to Jonah. And then you should say, then what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, the end of the story goes like this, and we're going to talk about it this morning. Jonah does what God tells him to do. And then what Jonah thought was supposed to happen didn't happen. Instead of God punishing the people who had been bad, God forgave them. And Jonah was mad. Do you get mad? Do you get mad sometimes? What do you do when you get mad? You say things you shouldn't have said. You get angry. You don't think sometimes and then it just sort of comes out of your mouth. Does that ever happen and then you go, whoops, shouldn't have said that one. Well, that's sort of, Jonah kind of did that, you know, and he got mad. He got really mad and he stomped off. He didn't control his anger and he didn't understand God's forgiveness. Sometimes, you know, when we get mad, we need to think first. You know what I do when, whenever I get mad and I want to think that maybe I should think before I talk or before I do anything? I have this little thing in my office that is spongy and squeezy. And I go in and I squeeze it and I squeeze it and I squeeze it until I say, okay, I'm not mad anymore. It's okay. I can go on. So I brought you something this morning to do that for you. I've got a ball for each of you. And when you go home, you take this ball and you put it in your room and when you get mad because somebody's told you something or you're angry, you go in and you grab your ball and you go, okay, 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 I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And then you put the ball down and you go tell the person you're sorry. Because you know what? Sometimes we all need to be forgiven. And sometimes we all need to forgive somebody. So when somebody does something that makes you angry, you need to forgive them. Just like you're forgiven when you get angry. Okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your forgiveness. We love you, and you know, and we know you love us. Amen. Today's scripture is Psalm 5, verses 3 through 7. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. 
With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, it is so easy to focus on the things that we need for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, for our church. But I ask that you help us uh, not in this moment entirely, but throughout this week, 
to consider the people of this congregation, to consider the people of this local community, to consider our leaders on the state and federal level, the church worldwide, in all of our specific church structure ways that we have in denominations that we may all proclaim your name this week. As we read of someone struggling with mercy, help us to make that struggle our struggle. As we read of your never-ending grace and pursuing love, help us to make that our grace and pursuing love going to others. Open our hearts and minds to your scripture today and to the proclamation that we may be truly changed and inspired by the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings.
Please be seated. So we have looked at the book of Jonah um, throughout the month of July. And as Ms. Lane recapped in, in chapter 1, God said, I want you to go speak to those people. Jonah said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And um, was pitched over the side of the ship in a huge storm. Chapter 2, he's in the belly of the whale, and he said, God is so merciful, so loving. I'm so grateful, especially if I get another opportunity at this, I'll be so grateful. Spits him out on the land. In chapter 3, last week, he speaks reluctantly to the people. And he says, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. It should have taken three days to get through the city in one day. People noticed, they changed, they changed on a level that the king noticed. The king changed on a level that no king changes, given the fact that it was a super reluctant prophet. And so, what remains is chapter 4, the thing that we're going to read today, and I, think, I just think it's just fascinating. So, I'm going to be reading on page 1438 in your pew Bible, Jonah chapter 4, 1438. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, that being the forgiveness of the Ninevites. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. First of all, I love the fact that it's an angry prayer. Because that's not common. I want you to indulge me for a second. I know that speakers do this to you all the time, and some people do it, some people don't. But I'd like you to close your eyes and just consider a couple images. What this looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like in your imagination. A peaceful 6 a.m. prayer with a family just before surgery. A simple prayer just before an administrative meeting for guidance. A joyful prayer and a loud gathering where everybody's just about eating anyway at a picnic. A prayer with the bride and groom kneeling at a wedding ceremony. heart-wrenching, painful prayer at a funeral. What do you see in those images? What do you hear? What do you feel? And you can open your eyes. Are any of those angry? Not typically. Um, I haven't had a single angry prayer in a hospital at 6 a.m. prior to surgery, not once. Um, never an angry prayer before an administrative meeting. I've had some heated words in administrative meetings, but I never had an angry prayer before. Never had an angry prayer at a picnic gathering under a big covered area. Not once. Never been angry at a wedding ceremony with the bride and groom. And I think sadness really is the overwhelming feeling uh, at a funeral of loss. And I forget uh, which expert in uh, human psychology said that anger really is just sadness really poorly disguised. When you're truly angry, you are truly sad and broken. So when have you heard an angry prayer? Was it in a group? Was it with your family? Was it in your own mind? Did you pray it yourself? How could this be? How could this have happened to this person? How could I not make this light? How could I have not gotten into this program? How could I have gotten a C on this paper? I needed a B or else I wasn't going to make it. So if so, you've got to ask yourself, is it appropriate to be angry with God and to express that anger in prayer? I think, in fact, it is. Because if you think... If a loved one is capable of absorbing your anger, whether it be um, a, a dear friend at a lunch, 
whether it be a parent or grandparent, you're traveling to them to tell them the story on the front porch, whether it be someone you're calling on the phone to say, I cannot believe this happened, you're so angry and you've got to tell someone. If you find a trusted friend, that person's going to do a whole lot of good with the angry words that you have, the angry feelings that you have. So if you think, okay, if the human beings in your life are capable of absorbing that anger and dispersing it properly, is God capable? I don't think there's any question. We can pray angry prayers. So as you see Jonah pray an angry prayer, I think that's actually fine. The trouble that we have when we're looking at this text is why is Jonah angry? Something seemed very wrong to Jonah. And that was the forgiveness of the people that he proclaimed the Word of God to. So, there's two main ingredients to being upset over the forgiveness granted to another person. Whether it be forgiveness granted to an individual, whether it be forgiveness granted to a criminal, whether it be a forgiveness granted to the college football program that you hate the most, you think these people are not worthy of this forgiveness and they should be punished. So the number one ingredient is that you think the missteps of the forgiven are too great in order to receive it. But the number two thing is that you figure the missteps that you have made are small enough that you're totally up for forgiveness. You've got to have both of those. And so Jonah thinks anything he's ever done, I mean, it's a, God told me to go do something critical and I ran the other direction. Big deal. These people have been awful for centuries. I hate them. So he thinks to himself, the things that I've done aren't that bad, and the things that they've done are horrific. That's how you get to the place of being upset that someone who's not connected to you directly has received forgiveness in one way, shape, or form. Jonah says, I knew you were gracious. I knew you were forgiving, and that's why I didn't want to get out of bed. That's why I didn't want to tell anyone about you. All seriousness aside, if you imagine that a community needs water and the only source of that water is a hose, and though there will never be any end to the water that is coming through that hose for that community, you think to yourself, those people are just going to drink a bunch, they're going to waste a bunch, I don't even know what they're going to do with this water. I know what best to do with this water. I'm going to pinch the hose just after me. Because I'm going to judge whether someone's going to get it. If you get that image, then you get the image of Christians, any followers of God, wondering out loud if someone is worthy of the forgiveness that's being offered to them. Jonah pitches a hissy fit in verse 3. Now, Lord, take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. It's better for me to die because you've forgiven those people. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And the sound effect to that scripture passage is, <laughs> something needs to happen to those people. I'm just going to sit right here, best seat in the house, to see this place destroyed. It would be amazing. So, the image that came to mind as I read this text is if you ever see a parent and a child at a water park, okay, the child is just losing its mind. The child is coming apart. The child is inconsolable and they are pulling every move there is. Just raw screaming, blood-curdling screaming to make sure everyone here knows that you are a shady parent. <laughs> Total limpness to triple the weight of your body for the one trying to hold you up. Running in the opposite direction towards any sharp edge or water that you shouldn't be close to so that you further endanger yourself in this uh, inebriated position that you're in of total anger. 
the parent is trying to just patiently hold it together. One, because that's the parent's job, but two, we're sort of in a public place and I'm going to need to hold it together here because people are watching. The sibling beside, a little bit older, less um, concerned with that child being consoled and more concerned with moving on to getting to go down the slide. That's where we're going to go down. Why is the child losing its mind? Snow cone. The child is losing its mind over a snow cone at 9, 10 a.m. <laughs> you stayed in the hotel the, the, night, uh, the night before so that you could be the first ones in the water park at 9 a.m. You open the doors. There's chairs everywhere. You can claim several chairs in several strategic spots. But I see a snow cone stand, and I would like a snow cone this second. And if you don't give me a snow cone this second, I'm going to lose my mind publicly. Think about that image. Is it hard to imagine that image? Absolutely not. Go to any water park there is. The thing you want to say is, if you had a clue, young child, if you had a clue how hard it is to get a week off from my job, if you knew how much money out of the job that pays me it took to get us here, if you knew how tired I was after work in the car driving you to this water park five hours from our home while you catnapped. If you knew that I'd really rather go to bed in my own room with some sort of wall rather than you jumping off the bed and going insane. And if you knew that you waking up at 6 a.m. this morning brought that window down even further. Now I'm not getting after my own children. My own children are pretty well behaved. Seriously. And they're older. They don't do this sort of stuff anymore. But I've seen it. And I know it. If you could say to that child, if you knew what it took for us to be here, you could relax over the snow cone and we could have some fun. I think that is a very parallel image to Jonah losing his mind with God forgiving the Ninevites. He says, it's better for me to be dead than to have to look at this and witness this and know this. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the, it's funny, when the sun when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, "It would be better for me to die than to live." But God said to Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?" "It is," he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Why don't you say that one more time? Say it one more time that you wish you were dead. The great phrase in that is, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah says four sentences to God. God only says one sentence back. And it's not a statement of fact. It's a question. And um, uh, any, any uh, Business leader, uh, political leader, or church leader, they say um, the best way to help understand the people is to ask curious questions, not to tell them facts that in your own mind. You say, is it right for you to be angry? And uh, every time I preach this, every time I teach it in a class, which is quite frequently in the last 15 years, I always break out the King James Version of the phrase. Any guesses of what the King James Version is? Doest thou well to be angry? <laughs> And I encourage 9 o'clock, um, you can hold your hands like this. You're in the um, break room. Somebody's losing their mind at 9.15 on Monday morning. You're at home. And um, uh, uh, I don't know, you didn't put the hose on right, and it squirts up somebody's face. And they, they go crazy. And the person's angry, and you say, doest thou well to be angry. <laughs> Drop that on somebody. See how that goes. Um, if they're here, don't do that. But... If you go into the workplace, or you go somewhere and you say, doest thou well to be angry? That gives them, what are we talking about? 
But it's true. What right do you have to be angry? Consider the questions, and these aren't exact, this isn't the exact way it said it, but consider the questions that um, were asked of Job in the midst of his suffering when he got some bad advice from his friends who said, oh, he probably did something. God says, where were you when I was forming the planet? Anybody? Where were you when I was creating all that you see around you? Where were you when I was watching human history play out in both its great joys and its great sadness? Where were you, Jonah, when I, God, was processing the heartbreak of free will, including your running? Because I was right here. And I've seen it all. So I need you, who's seen the nine square feet around you for the years that you've existed, to understand the fact that I could potentially understand more than you and that I could grant grace to whom I want. Any problem with that is what he's saying in that one simple sentence, doest thou well to be angry. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals, question mark, and then the book ends. Notice that? If you're reading along, it just ends. You know know those movies where uh, uh, most often it's, uh, I would say, a romantic comedy where... Two people are placed in a strange position, and I don't know, and okay, maybe we sort of like each other, and oh, here's a, a music montage of us doing fun things, and here's a really dark moment in which we break up, and here's the moment of time in which we may never, not get, we may never get together again, and then something drives one of them to the other's house, and they just knock on the door, and then the movie ends. It just ends. And it's not, there's not a bow on it. There's just um, humans trying. That's it. So what are we left with in this book that just ends on us? Open-ended questions. Open-ended brokenness. Unresolved hopes, wishes, and dreams. And I think the thing that was extended that day is extended to today, and that is blank pages at the end of the book of which we will write something with the knowledge of this story. So, with the knowledge first that you were loved and forgiven before you ever did a thing, with the knowledge that you have the right to accept it or reject it, with the knowledge that if you accept it, you're supposed to go out and then offer it, what will y'all do with your blank pages? What will you write? What will you say? What will you do? What will you believe with the blank pages that have been offered to you at the end of this story? I don't know. Because every single one of us has been granted free will and every single one of us can do whatever we want when we walk outside that door. I just encourage you to understand this struggle of humanity, the power of God, and the opportunity before you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your overwhelming mercy, for your constant desire for us to turn to you, for your patience when we pinch the hose and figure we're the ones worthy of water and no one else after us, and for the overwhelming joy that you feel when we get it right and reach out to others. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our final hymn, Be Thou My Vision, page 451.
So grateful to Ann for playing for us today. We're glad to have you back up uh, in the balcony with us. Um, I want to tell you something about what's coming in August. Jonah's fun, and I love it, and I love to set it as a baseline. But something critical is coming in August in every sermon. And that is a book by um, uh, Adam Hamilton called Why. You think about the times you've asked why in sickness, in loss, in grief, in joy, in someone else getting joy, and you not getting joy, you've said, why? And we're going to look at that book, and we're going to look at the text that it describes all throughout the month of August, and I encourage you to be here, and I encourage you to invite your friends here, because it's one of the major questions um, that people ask in their life. Why? By um, Adam Hamilton. I encourage you to read it along with us as well. And now receive the benediction. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.